Welcome to Social Capital Expert, a show where we discover the value of social capital and how cultivating strategic relationships is critical to our success. In each episode, your host, Sarah Francis McDaniel, will explore the stories of fascinating people from all over the world to better understand how their ability to build relationships has led to their success. We will uncover tips, tricks, and practical ways that you too can become a social capital expert. Hi, and welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have our special guest, Rochelle Folsom. Rochelle, thank you so much for being here today. You're welcome, I'm so thrilled to be here. Awesome, well, she's got a lot going on today, but before we get to that, <laughs> can you give us just a little bit of background, maybe where you're from and sort of where you started? Absolutely, um, I was born and raised in Texas, so okay. um, I actually was fortunate enough to start my college um, career, if you will, in architecture for two okay. and a half years and then wound up with a marketing degree. So wow. the split between those has created a career that I never expected, but love. Um, and then the love for architecture and design, um, I'm going to give my parents credit for that. They started building a custom home when I was little okay. and they were so engrossed with the architect. I mean, it was like nightly meetings all the time and I would get bored. I'm an only <laughs> child. I wanted to be social. I wanted to know why we couldn't play, why we couldn't talk. And they finally just started handing me T-squares and templates and, and blueprints. The architect would bring old blueprints and oh, cool. I would just sit and color on them and do furniture layouts. And, and then I just kept doing it, like even after the architect left. And, so that was where the passion came from. Oh my gosh, um, awesome. Which is fun. And I think that if a passion like that starts that young, yeah. and then you can find it again later in life, it's always going to feel authentic. Absolutely. Um, which is really great. Um, so I, I thought that was my career calling until I had to prove the building had to stand. <laughs> and then I realized maybe the social aspect okay. was a little more. <laughs> I could stay in architecture on the sales and marketing end, but then bring in that social aspect and not have to get so technical. With awesome. It. So, so your degree was in architecture and then you had a degree in marketing as well? I or? switched halfway okay. through. So uh, that, and I have, as you know, that's been kind of how my career's gone. Like when something's not working, jump to the next thing. So yeah. two and a half years into college, I was like, this architecture thing doesn't feel like it's working. Okay. How about I jump over to the business school? Awesome. And got out of there in five years, even though two years worth of architecture credits did not apply to the business school, <laughs> oh. but they did apply to my life. Okay. So I think that's another point where you look back and you go, okay, that felt like a fail right. at that moment. And yet it's turned into um, a, a win all yeah. the way around. So, Absolutely. So out of um, college, where did you find yourself? Um, oh goodness. So my first, my first job was as a copywriter cause I was going that marketing route. Okay. Copywriter, department store chain, in-house ad agency kind of thing. Lower end, middle to lower end department store chain that had stores all over Texas was the media buyer and the copywriter. Okay. Um, and pumping out the most generic, awful newspaper ads <laughs> for the most generic, awful clothing. My friends had a joke that if I called it eye-catching in an ad, that meant that I hated it. I found all these diplomatic ways to say that I think then That's fed, ugly. fed into my sales career, right? Where you kind of like learn to, yeah. you know, to still be authentic, but not quite, yeah. yeah. Um, and then right after that, I went in, I was in marketing and PR for a very high-end um, bridal salon. Um, one of the, it was the first one to have Vera Wang and some of those wow. big names, like even the Anschutz girls from Colorado would fly down. Cool. Um, and the big, you know, princess type brides from Mexico City 
would come in and those two jobs back to back and this was part of when you and I were talking I had never thought about it yeah but those two jobs back to back really showed me that while I might not live this really affluent life I prefer marketing and sales kind of in that world where it's a more boutique crafted um, high-end type product that you're just narrowing down to a small market that you want to talk to that that broad appeal mass appeal thing doesn't work for me and anytime somebody tries to pull me over that I'm like no 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 I don't know how to I don't I, I live that world but I can't talk that world doesn't work awesome. for me so and then I had an opportunity to move to Colorado kind of random through okay. my personal life um, and I wanted to be here somewhere with more scenery somewhere with athletic outdoorsy people yeah um, a little more moderate in a lot of ways than in terms of climate and yeah. some of those things um, so jumped on the opportunity to move to Denver and went that's when I went straight into an architecture and design focus it was like okay fresh start here's what I know I want to do I want to be working in a world that relates to that um, and my first position was with a corporate art consultant. Okay. She was kind of a one-woman show, which is super cool to see at a young age. Yeah. I was like 26, and she had had a divorce, and her husband was a dentist, and she started doing art for him and all of his, you know, you know, dentist, dentist office. office. Okay. Right. That became her specialty, and then suddenly there was a medical office, and suddenly there was a hospital, and suddenly there was. She just won a huge chain of Advent Hospital. Um, that I helped her with actually because cool. I've circled back and always stayed in touch with her. Um, I helped her with the presentation packet for that but she hired me to do business development. Neither one of us really knew what that meant. She <laughs> right. thought she was ready to make that jump uh -huh. um, and I didn't know what that meant. I started exploring it and I joined everything. AIA and she was more on the commercial end so okay. those more commercial oriented type organizations and I just started calling trying to get lunch presentations I had no idea what I was doing like, <laughs> right. we want to meet with you and they'd say well that's called a lunch and learn I'd be like okay whatever that is <laughs> we'll, we'll be there we'll be there we'll do it yeah and you know huge firms Gensler R&L wow, the biggest firms cool. Fentress and um, you know after the fact people would say you got an appointment with Fentress and you're not even like you know you're not you're not Kravit you're not like this big right. no we're just me, me and Nancy art you know and we would make relationships every time we were in there it was like if you could be likable and present solutions and and I started to see that pattern that it didn't matter how big the firm people are just looking for resources and relationships and somebody that can solve the problems of a big project absolutely and so that was a great launch pad and from there I went to um, I went to running an architectural salvage store. Oh. Um, yes, it was a company based out of Minneapolis, um, and they wanted another location in Denver. Okay. And they had um, taken over this big old warehouse in what we now call Rhino. Yeah. In what is now called the Denver Central Market. Yes. That entire building was my building. Wow. Um, and it was all filled with salvage, everything from. Um, church pews to confessionals to doorknobs wow. doors windows bars old bars i have i know of three bars that are still in bar in denver that came from architectural antiques wow um, and that was i still call that my best job ever was it they literally handed me the keys and they were like good luck <laughs> and i was solo for the first um six weeks they told me that i couldn't hire an employee they kind of gave me these incremental when you get to twenty thousand a month you can bring one person in when you get to 50000 a month, you can bring another. So within nine months, I had a staff of seven. Wow. So <laughs> that's when I also that's learned, like, growth. like it didn't matter to me. It wasn't about commission. They, yeah. Like, I didn't want to work alone. Yeah. I wanted a team to work with. 
Um, I was young, so it was weird. I was called a manager, but I didn't feel like a manager. Right. I just felt like we were all in it together. Awesome. Um, so that was a cool, and we used events to really drive the business, and we, you know, so it was just a fun free-for-all in a weird world. Salvage yeah. was kind of an unknown back then. Yeah. We were in an unknown neighborhood. We were in, and we had movie stars shop there. We had, you know, we had the biggest architects would scoop that place out. Oh and people will still, I'll walk into a meeting and they'll be like, you were that girl. That <laughs> like, yeah, I was. Oh. Um, so that was, and then I went from there to going to the trade, to working more. I got kind of tired of that retail thing and jumped over to the design district and working for different showrooms there. So awesome. there you go. That's the launch to yeah. somehow then becoming publisher of Lux Magazine. Yeah, that's what I, I was going to say. So <laughs> keep, keep going. So you somehow went from the salvage antique yeah. place yes. that you kind of built up on right. your own and then well, transferred you know, into the tree. Within that position, I was given um, an ad budget and a marketing budget and yeah. I had to work with it and it was tiny. It was tiny and it was like, here you go, Rochelle, how are you going to make your name known in Denver? Yeah. You know, and that... The store in Minneapolis had a 20-year history. Everyone who were there, people flew from all over the world to go to that store. Really? And they kind of had the same expectations, like get Denver up and running and everyone needs to know where this is. Yeah. And so it was, it was tricky to kind of put that word out there. And I secured, I remember in 5280 Magazine, page seven, half page ad for $750 um, for life. Wow. And, and that was like, the magazine was brand new. Yeah. And I saw that if you like, if you were willing to sign off on something that big for yeah. the life of the store, we had page seven at that price. Wow. And that started to teach me because I had that media buying experience yeah. in Houston with the department store chain. Right. That if you negotiated, you could yep. get these things. That Good would, point. Right. And then that got the magazine's attention that we were even there. We got Best of and Westward. Cool. That tripled the sale. You know, like yeah. you start to see how these things, people say, I didn't get one call from that ad. And you're like, well, let's look at the bigger picture yeah. of what happened there. So in every position I was in from there, it was like, well, Rochelle, what ad should we buy? What magazine should we look at? What, you know, and when I placed an ad for materials marketing in Lux magazine, it was brand new. Okay. And from there, I started talking to the publisher at the time and she was like, you might want to come work for us. And Again, I relationship. Right. I, yeah, it was out position. of nowhere. She yeah. was like, I think you might be good at selling this. You know how to think like the fish. You know how, you know, how marketing directors think and yeah. how to make that little budget work and what to get out of it. What I didn't know when I said yes to that job <laughs> as an account manager of a magazine called Lux, um, that the economy was going to crash a month after I took the job. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that was July of 2008, and uh, then we all know what happened in September. Yeah. And suddenly it felt really odd to be like, um, you know, selling ads yeah. for a magazine called Lux when no one had any money. Yeah. <laughs> so, in the design business. And um, that's when you and I met, uh -huh. and that became very much about relationship building. Yeah. You, you just put the magazine aside. You weren't even talking about a print ad was like, here's this book, let's put that aside. Now let's talk about how we're gonna get through this recession. Yeah, together. together. Yeah. And how, we're stronger together. Right, right. We can how we can create events, how we can put this person with that person and have it feel authentic and like And become all, a resource for the, right. the industry. Who's actually got the projects and how do we help the right people get to those projects. And so that was, I went from account manager to associate publisher to publisher. Wow. Very accidentally. I mean, <laughs> without. <laughs> Sometimes I look back, I'm like, how, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah, that's and, when we met about yeah. seven or eight years right. ago. And it was 
as that because you were new to uh -huh. BSC at that was, point, right? Yeah. yeah, we were all looking for ways to like, how are we going to get through this? Yeah, and, yeah. and how to be innovative and fill the void and right. su supply solutions to the need yeah. without having a lot of I money. Mean, and I think some of us wouldn't be where we were today if that recession hadn't created so much like does you know the need for resource building the need Absolutely. for relationship building and creating those power partners and yes. people coming together with strategic alliances yes. and yes. sharing the the financial burden of putting things together right. but yet still right. being able to offer these have people show up and have it feel compelling. Not exactly. like we did this on the cheap and no one wants to come to this. Exactly. Ever again, so. Exactly. <laughs> so from Lux, then what? Where did your journey take you? From from Lux, I went back to what I always say the product side of, of architecture and design. So home technology, right. um, which just felt new and big and growing and um, and those companies needed showrooms opened and that was really I started wanting to really be a part of that creating experience yeah. for selling, not just you know, how do we get our products out there, but how do we create a place that people want to come and build those relationships? It's huge. And so what does that place feel like? Um, and so the placemaking within that relationship building, yeah. um, which was like a whole other component. And I know I did it at Architectural Antiques, but it was, it became like, all right, who needs showrooms open? That's who I want to work for. Awesome. Um, so I, you know, I did that for a string of home technology companies. Um, and that was fun. Yeah. Cause I think that's a mostly male oriented business that needs a little more help. <laughs> yes. Understanding how to create the place that uh -huh. people might want to be and what that event might need to look like, that there might need to be more than beer and sausage and um. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. We're still working on that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah, a transition. That's all fine. <laughs> yeah. Nothing, nothing wrong with a good barbecue, but we need a little, yeah. little more there. Yeah, so, diversity. Um, and then I went out on my own. Well, I did. You know, I was with uh, with uh, Lifescape for a little while, uh -huh. which was fabulous. Um, and that that showed me another end of the business that I really appreciated. But then it was time to go out on my own. So here I am. Awesome. Um, so, yeah. uh, so you, well, do you want to tell us a little bit about where you are right now? Um, oh, now just feels like using a lifetime of experiences to benefit a lot of different people. And instead of jumping from position to position with a company, just jump from project to project with different people. Yeah. Um, and not have to be so tied in that it, you, you know, you lose your magic within that. So, yeah. um, and I think that was probably the place I needed to be all along, but maybe didn't have the experience to really feel confident to do that. Well, congratulations. Yeah, so I know it's going yeah. well. Yes, it is. And so we'll, we'll get into kind of where you are now um, a little more here shortly. But, you know, you, you brought up like three different topics that I think are just huge. And I know the level of experience that you have with them. So I'd love for you to share. Um, you know, you talked about networking mm -hmm. and about going out and meeting people that you did in your first job when you had no idea what even a legend learn was. Right. Um, and you talked about throwing events and that mm -hmm. that was really mm -hmm. hugely successful for you in the antique um, showroom. And then also about building community and creating experiences. Yes. Um, for me, it was always about really looking at like, well, what is our goal here? Is, is it long-term relationship building? Then we have to create an event where people want to come back. Right. It can't just be this one-off. Right. Um, and I saw that even within the gallery. I worked for a gallery for a couple of years in between all that. I'm an art gallery. And that gets very, you know, you're, it's all about this one artist. Right. Well, if they don't like that one artist, they need to know of another reason to come back there. Right. You know, if they love Western art, but you're showing an abstract artist, if it's only that thing that's right. meaningful, why would I ever come back? But if they can meet a few people that are important in their world, Mm -hmm. then they're going to come back right. to every event and they're going to bring someone else. So to me, it was always about putting the right people together 
not just trying to invite everyone on your list. Right. Um, that gets to be too much and it's too expensive. Yeah. Um, and then getting everyone on your team to show up and have fun. Yeah. Not just be there because they have to be there. <laughs> right. Not just be there because, you know, it's part of the, you know, the obligation. Right. But to really find the fun. Right. In the event. Because if everyone's having fun, that creates the meaning for most people too. Absolutely. Um, but I think there's also a whole other piece of it where you're constantly looking for what you can give to others without taking. And that sounds really, really kind of touchy-feely, but I think it's... It's huge. It's huge. Like, if you're always thinking about, like, well, I want to talk to him because he'll get me that. You don't... But if you can leave an event and say, I help three people know of a metal guy that they never would have known of that I just happened to work with last month, you know, they'll remember you more when they need something than if you just were trying to get on their next project. That's huge, and um, that's great advice. Yeah, so, sorry, I should look up. Yeah, no, <laughs> it, it's, it's true, it's huge. I mean, I laugh when I throw events too, because it's like my goal is to figure out how can I add to their bottom line? Like, how right. can I introduce them to someone, someone that will do something or create some right. opportunity to add to their they bottom line? They need to know. Um, and then it's fun, that's the part too. Like, the fun doesn't just come from how much alcohol or whatever, how much, right. you know what, the, yeah. the cocktails were good or the right. was good. The fun comes from like seeing two people go, oh, I've been waiting to meet you. Totally. And then you're like, oh, yes, I've, you know, that kind of, you see that and you walk away and you're like, mm, my job here is done. Exactly. You know? And then you put two more people together and it's kind of this matchmaking thing that exactly. gets to be really, really cool. And so, so ultimately they all come back to you on some, whatever, on right. some level. Right. They start like, looking to you as the glue. Yes, and exactly. Like, oh, okay. They're like, I can't miss her event because right. Right. I'm going to meet somebody. Right. It's, it's detrimental to my business right. if, if I don't know if I'm there. not there. Right. Yeah. Something cool's going to happen. Yes, and I'm going to meet night. someone who's going to yeah. do or be mm -hmm. or whatever that or I'm going to Or learn how I want my or... next event to look. I mean, yes. I think there's that too, which is great. Totally. I mean, imitation, flattery, they work hand in hand and it's good. It's like, okay, then that was a great event that I did if somebody else wants to make one look like that. Absolutely. So, and yeah. an opportunity, I feel like events are a great opportunity to bring partnerships together yes. and to really utilize. I mean, that was a huge thing that we did back when we first met in the recession was yes. we said, okay, this event's going to cost $5,000. Who are the five partners that right. we can pull in and each right. of us pull $1,000 Bring our and we may all come from different worlds. Exactly. I mean, that's the funny thing. Like, yeah. some might be more commercial, some might be more residential, but it's it can all play together. Exactly. You know, Ultimately. You, mm -hmm. That so that that's been the fun part for me is to just watch it happen kind of organically. If you do it, if you get everything else lined up, it will happen. Yeah, it's the idea that, that if you build it, they will yeah, come. They will right. Come. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. So I've I've had fun with that in my career, and and then just being able to know. You know, when when it doesn't work, really pick apart why it didn't, yeah, and then stay away from that. Be willing to admit that thing didn't work, right? Um, that people weren't comfortable in that setting. It didn't bring out the best in them. Um, and you kind of see people when they're like crawling inside versus you know coming Real alive lit up. with yeah. that. So um, I, I've had a couple of those, not many, yeah. luckily. But you learn as much from those Absolutely as anything else. Like, why did we not get the invite right? Did we not get the date right? Did we not get the mix of people right what was it and yeah go from there so absolutely um, and that's huge just to be able mm -hmm. to reevaluate yeah and not everything is a huge success most of them are right. but when you have those it's, it often teaches us a lot like you yeah. said yeah now I know your experience is really vast when it comes to marketing and just being involved in so many different aspects of mm -hmm. the business 
Um, can you tell us just sort of your thoughts about experiences? I feel like, you know, you mentioned Rhino and you mentioned some of this stuff and it's like that whole area and that whole place has completely changed yes. over the last decade. Yes, um, it And is continuing to, to grow and transform. Uh, but when it comes to, you know, sort of that experience centers mm -hmm. or showrooms that you've created, uh, can you talk to us a little bit about where you see experience going and how it's relevant in the buying process? <laughs> well, I think first of all, the experience is about somebody connecting with everything emotionally. Um, you, you know, you've worked yourself into their psyche in a really good way, not yeah. a spooky, creepy way. <laughs> right. Not in a way that that Facebook ad, that, you know, just uh, about the handbag you were thinking about. <laughs> yeah. Like, how, how did it get there? <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute, you know. Uh -huh. um, so it's, it's, you know, trying to find some magic in a place. Um, create some magic, be different, be memorable. Yeah. Um, I think that's huge. I think people forget to be memorable. Right. Um, and memorable doesn't mean you were the most stunning person that walked into the room. It doesn't mean you served the fanciest food. Um, but just do something that feels different. Yeah. Um, and be willing to take that leap. Um, I mean, some of the events we've done where you're like, okay, we're going to have, you know, the calendar fire, fireman model yes. and an ice cream truck and <laughs> some of these things because we need it to be fun. Right. You know, and oh, let's throw in headshots for people because everyone always needs their headshot. Redone. Yeah. And so, again, it's meaningful to what they're doing with their, with their life. And so I think you have to look way beyond what you're selling. Yeah. Um, and then there's such little things that matter. The lighting when people walk in, when they first walk in. Um, I wa and, and part of what I loved about um, what I learned from all the guys in home technology, I mean, it, the music. Can people even hear the music when they walk into your space? And you would be am amazed at how much people will relax if really? there's good music playing and they can hear it. Wow. You know, so you and your staff might know the music is playing, but do you have it up to where your guests you know, and, and does it filter through them in a way that helps them relax? Yeah. Is the lighting at a point where they don't feel like they're being interrogated? <laughs> right. Because there's so many people, I mean, we all have our kind of reclusive, introvert moments. The yes. biggest ex extroverts of us have that. Absolutely. We have our shy moments, we have our events where we're not comfortable, totally. all of that. But if there can be maybe another focus that takes it off of you know, hi, my name is, and right. all of that. Um, I think, I, I, and I, I'm gonna say too, as simple as it might be, I think name tags. Name tags. Always have name tags. I mean, no one wants to have to remember anyone's name. <laughs> and when you're put on the spot, it really is hard. It is hard. Um, and just as corny as they might seem, it, it helps. It helps yeah. reduce some anxiety yeah. for people that are stressed out about that. Yes. Um, and they think they've failed. Like the minute they don't remember one name, like I failed, I need to get out of here, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so little things like that. Yeah. Um, and then for your team, I think on the other side of it, for yourself personally, if you're about to launch into that type of career or in that type of career already, um, little things like, um, you know, presentation. How do you feel? Do you feel good about yourself? And again, that, that varies from person. It's not about being Huge. glamorous, not about being, but what are the things that help you feel really right. good about yourself? Make sure you do them before a big event. Make sure you like make Like a big time. power pose? Yes, power or something. pose, yes. <laughs> you know, go, go get your hair done, go get your nails done, go for the run that morning. If yeah. you know you have a big event that night, go for the run. Yeah. I mean, I used to leave the showroom and be like, I'm going home, I'll be back in two hours. And I would go for a run and I would get myself collected and I'd be back. 
Yeah. And I would have bosses that were like, that was a long break. And I'm like, you're going to be happy that I took that break. <laughs> right. When I work this party till 10 p.m. Absolutely. And I'm not trying to look for a way out of here at 8. Right. Um, so I think little things like that help you put your heart in it. Yeah. And, and, they, and it has to be authentic. And that's different for everyone. Hopefully it's not something toxic. I mean, you, hopefully you don't need to go you know, like have five cocktails to right. rev up for that. Yeah, right. Um, something healthy for you. Um, so I'm not saying do whatever you need to do no, to right. be the life of the party, but um, something. There's little personal things for people that I do think help. And I think it would be good for managers and people in the positions making this stuff happen to realize that giving their people a little breather before the event will create a better, more... Um, a better experience um, for the relationship building. So I might I might have gone off too much. No, on that's the that's perfect experience. But I think the relationships are easier to build when people are at ease. Absolutely, um, and and so. you made a huge point. I mean, taking some self care time. You yes. know, a lot of times in building social capital, it is so much about the other person. It's really mm -hmm. about you know creating value, like you said, and and sort of being willing to be the giver. But right. when you're always giving, right, in that position, you it's need to take very a step back. important yes. to have and those times of saying, yes. "Hey, I'm about to go give everything I have to right. offer for exactly. the next five hours." Yes. So I just need to take an hour or two hours right. to really like. Right. I feel myself. Right. Um, otherwise, I feel like there's the, just such opportunity to burn out. There is. Just and give, in my give, younger give, years, give. like I wouldn't eat all day and I, I would have been at the showroom until midnight the night right. before. And we all have those crunch times. But I've learned that actually just backfires on you. Absolutely. Because you're exhausted and you don't really want to talk to anyone. And you stop being authentic and trying to solve problems. You're just like, have Getting you seen through this it. chair? Yes. You need to buy this chair. <laughs> yes. Are you going to buy 10 of these chairs? Because that's my quota for tonight. <laughs> yes, exactly. And you stop like, so you need yeah. chairs for your dining room. What kind of chairs? It's a very, you yeah. know, two different kind of conversations that I think can happen when you're relaxed versus intense. It's in huge. So, yeah. And the um, authenticity is another thing that just keeps coming um, as you talk. It's really yeah. just so much about being ourselves and being comfortable yes. in our space. Right. And it's amazing to me how, um, you know, it's like how the more authentic we are, the more authenticity we get back. It's, that's huge. It is. It's that what you give, you're going to get. I mean, it just, and you, you, for some of the people that really have a reputation for not being authentic, I'm amazed at when I would just break down the barrier and like uh, open up about something that was troubling me or something that was yeah. know, real that, oh, wow, look, now your real is coming out. And, and it makes for a better relationship it down does. the road, I think. Too. It's huge. So, I, yeah. I, we, we were talking just before, you know, you, you have things going on in your family mm -hmm. and, and we have things going on in our family. And it's like just being able to share and say, hey, man, life is interesting. Yeah. This is one of those seasons where this- <laughs> Here's the wild ride. Yeah, like this is crazy. This month. Yeah. But, but just to even be able to have that kind of bond yes. and trust to be able yeah. to share those things and be, and know that we're not we're not being judged in right. any way. We that's, don't have to be perfect. Yeah, like we time. can just be right there, connect I do on think that level. There were generations before us where that was the whole mantra. Absolutely, Show up, be perfect. Be and I believe in manners and I believe in presentation, but I think it can be centered around kindness. Absolutely, it doesn't have to be centered around perfection. That's um, huge. Which is different, I think. So, Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, you, um, Rochelle, your reputation precedes you. I mean, you are very, you. very well known and well connected in this industry. Um, and it, are, are there things that you would say are sort of the key ingredients to building a long-term reputation or a quality kind of social capital that goes on? Um, I think it, it, there's an awareness that you have to have 
um, of, of what other people need and, and why, you know, what's driving them. Um, so being constantly aware, not yeah. getting too sucked into your bubble. And then that comes back to the word we've, we've talked about a lot too, authenticity. I mean, it's just, that one is just the biggest secret ingredient, I yeah. think. Um, and, and it doesn't mean you have to be showing all your scars all the time, but right. that. Um, and then something else that I've said quite a few times, have fun with it. If you can't have fun with it, you're probably not going to. And that's half of what I feel like I'm doing with a lot of my clients right now. It's like, loosen up. <laughs> You right. know, like the the next recession might be tomorrow. Let's like let's have <laughs> enjoy some fun today. With it. I know, enjoy today because we don't know where it's coming from. Um, and I think um, trying to be as proactive as you can. We know we want to do a lot of events next year. Well, let's start getting our space in order now. Yeah. Let's not try to do it all the day of the party. You're let's right. create a you know what is our path for that? If, the, if we're gonna put that out there as a goal. How are we going to start making that happen? Or if we want to start a bigger social media presence, let's build our content library now. Right. Um, and then I have found now that I'm in this outside consulting world, what I'm seeing with a lot of my, because I do a lot of writing for designers and architects um, in the awards capacity. So I'm okay. helping them go after different awards that okay. they're trying to win, either within trade organizations or with magazines. Um, and so uh, they'll give me everything on a project and they'll tell me what they think is the best thing about that project. And I'll come back to them with my award submittal and be like, what? I never thought about that. I didn't even know that project had that. Yeah. So I also think it's good whether it's a confidant or whether it's someone you hire, be willing to pull someone in from the outside. That's Because great you don't know what you're missing from your work. And you may not even know that about yourself as a person. I mean, you also are a you know, power relationship builder in our, in, in our industry and do a lot of things beautifully in terms of how you put people together and all that. And, you know, it, there's things you probably see in people that they do not see in themselves right. um, as their greatest asset that they yeah. brought to that situation. Totally. And so I think it can be really smart to bring someone in from the outside. And again, I'm not talking about hiring a, a full-time consultant or something like that, but yeah. just someone that can be really honest with you. Can you give us an example of when maybe an architect didn't understand the magic of his own project? Oh, I had um, this, uh, an amazing architect out of Boulder. He had done this project for a father-daughter um, and he had talked about the project on his website and he had pitched it a few times and um, and, he, and he talked about this father-daughter and you looked at the whole house and the details in it and the details in her room and the details in her bathroom. It's like, I need to know more than she's a daughter. Yeah. Is she a teenager or is she a toddler? Because you either nailed it in that bathroom or you really messed up. <laughs> right. Like, and I don't know that. You haven't told me about the daughter. Yeah. But if you tell me about the daughter, I'm going to understand why that made sense. Right. Um, and so there's these little things, you know, to him it was just father-daughter, father-daughter. I'm like, well, is it a 90-year-old father and a 30-year-old daughter? You know, right. he couldn't see through that. And yeah. so once I pulled that out and that it was a teenage daughter and he had done these retreat spaces for her to be able to have her own space in the house, like yeah. nooks and cran you know, things like that, that would have maybe, wouldn't have felt safe for a toddler. Yeah. But made sense for a teenage girl. Right. You know? So just little things like that. And he thought he was pitching it perfectly over and over again. And I'm like, well, you're not spelling out what the real story is here. So it's been fun to help them, you know, see, well, what you did here that was really great. Yeah. Um, and, and people get so immersed in their own work 
they forget to see that. Too. Absolutely, we yeah. get so down in the deep of it all. Yeah, that we really yeah. what am I doing here that was right? Absolutely. You know? um, and I found that too, when people call or email you and thank you for an event that was great, uh -huh. to just ask them what you love about it. Yeah. What did you love about it? And be willing to, because then you're also changing that thank you into a new relationship. Right. Um, oh, well, I loved the food. Oh, great. That is a great caterer. If you ever want their information, let me know. Oh, actually, I do. I have an, you know, yeah. or they call you back for that caterer's number. Absolutely. And again, suddenly you're a resource. Huge. And everything you spent on that caterer that was actually memorable it makes sense now. Right. There's yeah. your ROI. There, there it is. Yeah. Without you knowing it. Because again, you're suddenly part of... I mean, you're suddenly swimming in the same pool as them. Is the kind of, that's another thing that I say. Like, yeah. you know, the, it, we're not all segregated. We can all be in there together <laughs> right. sharing these resources for different things. So Yeah, that's that huge. Helps, so. No, that's huge. And that's great advice. I mean, sometimes it's just the little things. I mean, mm -hmm. when you have an opportunity, sometimes we do. We get the thank you card or the thank, thank you phone call and we just kind of pass it and move on and right. uh, and don't seize the opportunity that comes with right, right. that that moment of, yes. of appreciation. Glad you it. Who'd you meet? Can I help you with some contact information? And I know you're so good about that, sending out the list, who was at the event, you know, here's how you can, that kind of thing. And that, I, that I try, just to try to be able to connect those pieces right. a little the, bit the on the back side. Yeah. On it, like keep people moving and thinking about the next step. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, you're just so good at bringing people together and making connections for people that are beneficial to mm -hmm. them. Uh, you know, do you have any advice, like maybe either for your younger self or for people <laughs> who are kind of like maybe just really on this journey of trying to figure out how to become an influencer? Um, so go back to that be memorable. I do think you have to be willing to be memorable. You can't be the one sitting in the background wondering when why don't i get why don't i get that invitation why don't i get that handshake why don't i and it's you can't just bulldoze your way into a party just shaking hands <laughs> right to say you checked off the boxes uh -huh. um so be well be willing to be memorable you know do you have any advice for that yeah that kind of thing well, right? you're like yeah, the you know. queen of like really <laughs> you know having fun with that idea it though. is yeah um and you know and, someone actually told me on the face painting thing i do face body full body paint whatever it is whatever it takes for to the be memorable, theme. literally. Yes, yes. Um, and someone told me once, they said, Sarah, what are you? I said, well, I'm not quite sure, because sometimes I don't know what it is. Right, it's right. just it's something, something creative yes, and yes. memorable. And they said, well, you're definitely a memorable specific. <laughs> And they told me that's what I was the rest of the night. They said, specific. you're, I don't know what you are, but you're a memorable specific. You're definitely not a yeah. random, it's not forgettable right. thing. You, know, you just come to this with your, yes. Yeah. So the be memorable, I mean, it can be about wearing a bright color. It can be about, you know, how you compliment people. I mean, start with a compliment. That's huge. And find a real one. Don't yeah. just play something up for the heck of it. Like, yeah. find something. I, I, I try to do that. Every time I walk up to someone, I'm trying to find something that I like about them. Yeah. Um, so whether it's their handbag, whether it's their eyes, whether it's their, you yeah. know, I'm suddenly fascinated with green eyes, actually. So I'm ah. sitting here looking at yours. <laughs> but I find myself complimenting people's green eyes a lot. Yeah. Like, I love your green eyes. They're awesome. Oh, thank you. And, and it's a simple thing. Yeah. I mean, you didn't make your green eyes. But it again, it kind of puts the conversation at ease. So Absolutely. be real. Be real. Be memorable. You know, be, be kind. Be kind. Be it's ready huge. to help. Be ready to, yeah, all of that. Yeah. I and mean, it's just that simple. 
Which is kind of the fun of it. Right. Right. That's kind of the, the overarching kind of point of this whole show is really just to show people that social capital is a big deal. I mean, everyone right. that we have on here, they really see relationships as being critical to their success. Right. Whatever right. that success looks like, whatever in industry they're in. But that what we find as we continue to interview guests is that it's all pretty simple stuff. It is. It's not, it's not no. overly complicated no. to do this. No. Not and if you can surgery. build consistency yeah. in your kindness yes. and in your desire to yes. add value, right. uh, the influence and, and the social capital piece kind of follows. Right, right. And always be trying to piece together. I mean, I do think if you're in a sales role, um, you, you kind of have to be looking everywhere. You know, is the is the person you bumped into at the veterinary clinic someone that might wind up being, you know, did they say they're in marketing for the biggest distillery in town? Because you might be able to call them and ask for, you know, the alcohol to be donated to the next event. Exactly. And that's not like trying to use, but no. it's just kind of like collaboration. You, you have to be keeping these mental notes. Yes. Because when you're when you're going to build your world that way. You have to be willing to pull some things in different ways too. So um, that's that's been fun for me too. That's probably the the obsessive part of it for uh, me. Like, I agree. It's for I me met that too. person last month, and she might. Yes. Know, and if I ask nicely. Yeah, <laughs> and it's really fun. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Yeah. It's fun to see how you can bring new groups of people yes. together, and yes. how something really successful and impactful can come from those. Yes. Uh, from those introductions and those collaborations. Yeah. Do you, um, you know, can you tell us a little bit more about what you have going on right now? Is there any great adventure or any um, non-profit? You know, the, or the thing that I am really, uh, at this moment, feels huge in terms of a, you step into something that's called a non-profit that you don't quite know where it's going or what it might lead into, and uh -huh. then all of a sudden you're a part of something huge. Yeah. That you didn't, and that's where I do think you have to be willing to take that leap. And even if everyone behind you is saying, where's the ROI on that? <laughs> yes. Where's the, what does that group do for you? What, uh -huh. and, but you believe in it, yeah. it, it can take you somewhere. And for me, that's been Design Council okay. with the Denver Art Museum, which is actually just getting renamed and rebranded because okay. the Denver Art Museum is doing a lot within their organizations like that. But, you know, I went to my first Design After Dark, whatever, 10 years ago. I was like, what is this group? I want to be a part of it. This isn't, you know, just the mix of people. Yeah, it's felt huge. so different and so magical. It wasn't all one profession or one trade or right. one. And it wasn't this really salesy kind of chit chat. It was getting to know each other and finding new people and looking at art. And I kind of jumped on board with that. I was able to in a good way because I was with Lux Magazine. Right. And I was able to, we became the media sponsor for okay. the event. So I was able to become a partner quickly. Right. Um, but I think I brought a lot to the table there that a lot of magazines don't do right. when they're media sponsors. And you and I both know that because we are in nonprofits and have media sponsors that do nothing more than like, you know, give Show you a page up the night of, of the event. Yeah, and, right. Nothing yeah. else. And yeah. you're like, what do you have any other resources? And in the height of the recession, it became like, okay, Design Council is a good um, networking group. And I'm in this magazine world where it's pretty hard to sell ads right, right. now because nobody has a marketing budget. Right. But if I can bring together the people and I can give pages in the magazine to the restaurants and to the, you know, the, the alcohol vendors, then you know, those resources come to the party and then everybody's happy and everybody wants to buy an ad in the magazine. And right. That's awesome, right? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what happened with Design Council. I would just, I was able, to, I had to have an organization though to bring the other people. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the organization partnership mm -hmm. can become a huge thing to leverage. Huge. Um, and, and so 
any partnership that you're in, whether you're buying ads, whether you're, you know, whatever it is, whether you've joined a trade organization, how can that entity bring new people to your world? Absolutely. Because the minute you're paying a membership fee or you're paying a, a fee to be a part of their world, there should probably be some social capital yeah, to get right. out of it, yeah, right? That right. you can something you give them, yeah, something else in return. And so for me, I kind of tiptoed in with Design Council. That became a big part of my life. Um, and then I was invited to be on the board, so that was wonderful. And I you know, continued yeah. with it. But still, you know, it, it, Design Council of the Denver Art Museum um, benefits the architecture and design um, department of the Denver Art Museum which up until two years ago didn't even have really exhibit space wow. in the museum. Okay. So we were just like, like we were kind of, you know, there's some chairs in storage and we <laughs> yeah. bring them out occasionally because <laughs> there's no room in the museum for our stuff, but we wow. love to get together and talk about architecture and design. Yeah. And that shows how compelling the events were. Yeah. That we were able to create all these events and all this programming around something that didn't even have a space in the museum. Yeah. So here we are, 10 years later, the museum has a massive expansion going on, and there was a place that had a two-story ceiling okay. that now has been turned into two floors. Okay. And the architecture and design department is about to get its own floor. Awesome. That will be opening in 2020. Cool. Um, when the museum reopens. Fabulous. And, I mean, I almost feel like I could go hang my name tag on the wall yeah. and be like, I helped build this. <laughs> I didn't so mean cool. to. I, yeah. not, I never actually gave a dime, yeah. but I brought the people together and everyone in the design community that's ever attended Luncheon by Design or mm -hmm. Design After Dark yeah. or any of those events can feel like we helped build this. That's awesome. Um, which is, I think, a wonderful thing because it does show how projects get built too yes. within the architecture and design world. So now we actually have a space to launch from. Very and we're, cool. And we're being rebranded as Friends of Architecture and Design. So cool. I'm not sure what that means. Yeah. But I like that architecture and design and friends. Those yeah. Are good hey, those too. are all good those words. Those are good words, right? <laughs> so that's the big one that I still love being a part of and continues to just fuel. I mean, my last three clients have come from events related to design council. Wow. So as a consultant, that's... It works. It works. It works. Yes. To show up, talk to who you're sitting next to. And be involved in something that you're passionate about. Right. Because when you have the passion, you're going to grow within that organization in a way that you get to be memorable with, you know, and different. Yeah. You get to be in control too, which can be nice and, yeah. and help guide the events and what they look like and that kind of thing. So that's, that's huge. That's well, that's super one. exciting. Yeah. So 2020, Denver Art Museum, Architecture and Design Department. Awesome. Wonderful. So, Relaunch, rebranding. Yeah, Rebrand everything. Yeah. Cool. Super fun. So, yes. So, we will have all of the um, contact information and how to reach Rochelle and how to get involved with the Art Council um, or the Design Council, I apologize, in the show notes. And so, we'll be sure to, to you. get you all connected there. Um, before we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share? Ooh, final thoughts. Um, Make, make make every moment count that you can yeah I mean whether it's again for yourself or at an event or just make it count even if you show up and there's nothing going on <laughs> find a way to make it count right yeah right I think that's a big part of it because then you're always looking for the best in yes. the situation so awesome I think that's it well that's great advice it is for been, having me hey I it, it's been awesome to have you Rochelle yes. and we look forward to seeing where you go from here I uh, hope to have you back soon somewhere in your midst definitely. yeah yeah we're gonna do something gonna, we're throwing yeah, a party or yes, something a big party. soon. Yes, we're going to create an experience. <laughs> yeah, huh? we'll do okay. something fun. Uh, but thank you again. Thank I you, really Sarah. look forward to uh, seeing where all of this takes you. Wonderful. Thanks. Thank you. 
That's all for this episode of Social Capital Expert. Please visit socialcapitalexpert.com for show notes, additional episodes, and to see who will be visiting us next on the show. Also, be sure to check out our upcoming Social Capital Mixers. These are events where we can connect in person to build social capital. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you join us for the next episode.